Welcome to the KICC Malawi podcast. We pray that you'll be encouraged with the message today. Amen, amen. Let's take our seats. Let's take our seats. Worship team, thank you very much. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wish I could go on and on and we could just go on and on and worship God. But we will carry this forward to another day. Hallelujah. Thank you into the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, thank you very much, worship team. And um, thank you for coming. I pray that God will continue to minister to you as he already began in worship. Today I want to uh, speak with you from the word of God on the title, Connected in Worship. Amen. Connected in worship. You see, when we come to worship the Lord our God, it is on the basis that he is worthy of our worship. Because he is God. And there's no other God apart from him. We don't worship God because we feel good. And we can go and say, oh, I enjoyed the worship. We worship him because he is God. And if there's one thing that, I have, that has sunk in my heart this past two weeks, is the statement that keeps on coming that God does not need us to be God. He doesn't. He can be God all by himself whether you want, to, want him to be like that or not. Whether you think he is fulfilling what he should have fulfilled in your life or not, he is God apart from himself. But we need him to be us. God does not need us to be God, but we need him to be us. To be who we are. We need to be connected. John chapter 4 verse 23. And I keep telling you, turn there. If you've got your Bible, turn there. I want us to be a people who have this habit of making reference to the Bible like the Christians of Berea. Amen. And so they saw and they saw that what Paul was saying, was it true? They kept on searching. In John chapter 4 verse 23, the Bible tells us this. Jesus is talking with the, the, the woman and he says, yet a time is coming and has now come. When the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worship, worshippers must worship him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. I want you to notice that God is looking for true worshippers. It means there are those who are not true worshippers. And when he says they are, these are the kind of worshippers, he is saying, I want worshippers who will worship me like this. There is a certain kind of worshippers. You know, there was a time when God complained to the Israelites. He said, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. And he says, I'm not pleased with this. May that not be our portion. May that not be who we are. Let us worship God sincerely, in spirit and in truth. We'll unpack a little bit of what that means later on. 
But the Lord God is seeking worshippers, not because he really needs them. He's seeking you to worship him, not because he needs you, but because we need him. You know, God, God has no shortage of worshippers. When you look at different snippets of what heaven is like from scriptures in the book of Revelation, we see that there are 24 elders. There are creatures that worship him. They, they, they never stop to sing, holy, holy, holy God of the Lord Almighty. And, and, and all the time there is worship in heaven. And when Jesus was on the earth and people were worshiping, we were sitting on the donkey going into Jerusalem, they said, stop these people from worshiping him because they were afraid of the Roman re response to that. They would probably would think of someone is staging a coup or something. And Jesus says, don't you know, if you stop them worshiping, God can raise these stones to worship him. Psalm chapter 8, we see that God even can use babies to worship him. He doesn't have a shortage of worshipers. But when we worship God, it is good for us. Amen? It is good for us. God is self-sustaining as he is. But when he is seeking worshipers, he's looking for people who will draw from being connected with him. And so he lays out these conditions and he says, I need people who are true. Determine in your heart and say, God, I will be true to you in worship. And he says, they must worship in the spirit and in truth. They must worship in spirit and in truth. Why spirit? Because God is spirit. You cannot worship God any other way apart from a spiritual connection. You need to have a connection spiritually with God. That's the beginning of true worship. That is why I challenge you. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, this is the time. Because you're missing out on one of the best connections that man has ever known. No one has ever seen God. God is spirit. If I ask you now, where is Jesus? What's your answer? Some of you will say he's in heaven. Some of you say he's in my heart. How come he is in the hearts of many people? It's a spiritual thing. Because spirit gives birth to spirit. But you know, we can take off on a wrong tangent when it comes to spiritual things. And I want us to be very careful. That's why God said it has to be in spirit and in truth. The truth of God's word is what leads us in worship. What is worship? According to Romans chapter 12. Turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I want you to turn there. The Bible is very clear on what worship is. Therefore, I urge you, he's been speaking of faith in chapter, so, sorry, not, no, no, not, not faith. He's been speaking about Israel being saved. I think I was in Hebrews 12 in my mind. But he's been talking about Israel being saved and he discusses all these things and reaches to this point, telling the Romans, he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, 
to offer your bodies, your body, this thing, offer it as a living sacrifice. And that, is, that means it is something we keep going back to. A dead sacrifice causes no trouble. Did you know that? You kill a goat, you put it there as a sacrifice, no trouble. But a living sacrifice has the tendency to run away from the altar. And don't we run away from the altar? So he says, I want you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. It's a continual thing. Your body, it has to be holy, which means you are set apart for special use, for particular use. I don't know about you, but growing up, my, my, my mom had these dishes that were set apart for when those kind of visitors came home. You never dared to take a plate from there and have a meal with it, from it. You were in trouble. Those were set apart. So God is saying, I want you to take your bodies, set them apart. These are for special use. They are not the ones you take out when someone is passing by and says, may I, may I have some water? Uh-uh, that's, that's not the one you take out. Okay? So God is saying, I want you to, to, to set apart your bodies. Holy, set apart. And pleasing to God. It has to be pleasing to God. Our worship has to be pleasing to God. Not to the pastor. Not to be seen that when I was, when I was playing the music, it was really pleasing to the ears. It has better be pleasing to the ears of the Lord. Our worship had better be to the audience of the one and only God. That's, that's the focus. Amen. And when you have that focus, nothing else matters. No one else matters. You are not looking around to see how is sister so-and-so doing it. Or how is brother so-and-so doing it. In your mind, you have God at the center. Hmm. He says, this is your true and proper worship. There's a proper way of worshiping God. My late father-in-law was a, was a man who taught me a thing or two about doing things properly. If you went to visit him, the first place you went when you came to his home was to where he is sitting. And you greeted him first. And he has to ask you where, if things are okay, where you have come from. And how are the people? And how is life? This is before you speak about why you have come. There was a proper way of doing things. God has, has proper worship. And we need to dig the scriptures to find out what is proper worship. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Because the, the world has got a pattern, even in terms of worship. Did you know people worship in the world? Born again or not, whether they know Christ or not, they worship. And God says, no, no, that's not your pattern. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ha, we're coming back to the mind. Even in worship, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. In the mind. In the mind. Worship starts in the mind. True worship starts in the mind. The how-tos come after you understand 
the heart. Let me read from the New Living Translation. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. If God has never done anything for you, please don't worship him. You are free not to worship him. But I dare you, there's nobody who can truly claim that God has not done anything for you. Nobody. So he says, let them, your bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. There is a way to worship God. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. And this is where we fail many times. We copy the behaviors and customs of the world and we want to bring them into the house of the Lord. He says, no, don't, don't do that. Don't copy. Don't copy. But, that's what I love about the Bible. If he says don't, there's always an alternative. He doesn't leave you hanging like that. He says, but let God, who's going to do the job? God. He says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God will change you. Let me challenge you, people of God. The more you give yourself towards the word of God, the more you put the word of God into your life, God will transform you. Your thinking has to change and you begin to think like God. You begin to know what pleases God and what doesn't please you because of the word of God. The challenge I have for you is how much time do we take in the word of God? I think by nature, people, we love to copy. We just love to copy. Um, there are some people, you don't need to stay long with them to know which kind of, uh, of programs they like. Because pretty soon they are copying. They are telling you. It just comes out. They don't need to. The dictionary that I went to says this about what worship is. To worship is to regard with great or extravagant respect. It's not just respect. It's extravagant. Those that have been there tell us that the worship that Chief Gawaundi gets, it's extravagant. The worship that Inkos Yamako Simberwa gets is extravagant. I have seen people lie down. When the last Mbera uh, died, I was privileged to go into the, uh, the place where the funeral was. I saw people prostrate. In church, anybody uh, prostrates before God was saying, But it's extravagant reverence that comes out in a way that you... The only thing you can do is to bow down or to kneel. Some people cry. It's, 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 it's reverence, it's respect, it's honor, 
it's devotion you give yourself totally to. You pay homage. Also a feeling of expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. That's what the, 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 the Merriam-Webster dictionary says. But God says, yeah, but all that begins with the mind. Change your mind according to the word of God. And your worship will just flow like that. You see, you worship God on the basis of whom you have experienced God to be. When you see God for who he really is, your response is what comes out in worship. Amen? So, three things about worship. We need to be connected and stay connected to God who is spirit. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. That's how you get connected to God in spirit. You stay connected by being filled with the Spirit of God, being led by the Spirit of God. That's the first thing. The second thing is that we need to be led by the truth of his word as we adore him. So when we say God is holy, where are you getting that from? When you say he is faithful, where are you getting that from? Yes, I know you have experienced God as being faithful in your life. But is there a reference in scripture that tells us, that shows us that God is faithful? When we say he is a covenant-keeping God, do you see God keeping covenant in scripture? Do you see it happening in your life? It's always the word of God that needs to lead. And then the third thing is this. This is first and foremost an individual undertaking. Amen? We cannot truly worship God as a group the way we are here unless we worship God personally, individually. Otherwise, Mungu means you're pushing people to do something that doesn't come out of them. And that is hard. The best you can do is to model it. The best you can do is to invite and say, come, this is what we're doing and so on. And people will begin to see their own deficiencies and say, I need the Lord God. This is an individual undertaking. There are no proxies. There are no representatives. You know, I forgive people when they say, oh, you're going to church. Oh, please pray for us. Oh, I can pray for them, but I can't worship for you. I can't. Because this is between me and God. Worship is between you and God. There are no proxies. I can't even worship on, on behalf of my wife. I can't. She has to find her own space before God and worship. Praying for, we can pray for you or on your behalf. But worship, uh-uh. And we'll, show, we'll see why. God demands that he commands, he asks, he's seeking for those who worship. Now, a little note about music. I want you to know that music and feelings may enhance worship, but they do not initiate or lead it. Amen? Let me challenge you. You know you can go to a, you can go to a music concert and they'll play songs that you like. I can tell you with certainty because I've been there. You will feel the same feelings you feel here in church. So it's not about the music. Music 
is what they call the language of the soul. Okay? It's the way God created us. Music does not lead worship. Music does not initiate worship. It enhances worship. Amen? There was a time um, we used to like going out to this um, fast food place and they have very, very, very nice chips. Chips. Very nice. You know what was nice about it? The spices in it. Amen? The spices in it. Up to a point that there was this joke running around in our home that when you are sick and they tell you you need to eat before you take your medicine, you would ask for that chips. It still happens rarely now because people are not getting sick too much. But it's chips just like any other type of chips. And that's what music does in worship. Let's, let's not mix these two. Hallelujah. This is not to discard the, the ministry of, of, the, of our brothers and sisters in, in, the, in the praise team. No, it's the spice. It's great. But let us also understand that it comes from your connection with God, your appreciation of who God is. That's where it begins. We can stop right now and begin to worship God without music and it will happen. I remember a time when worship was all you had in worship and some friends will remember this were hand clapping. There was a time when all we had was hand clapping and there are things we used to do with the feet. I think the South Africans are great at this. There were things we used to do with the feet and there was rhythm and it was all an expression of worship. But that's not where worship came from. It comes from the heart. That's why when Michael W. Smith, when he had gone off track, he comes back and he said, I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing that I made it. It's all about you. It's not about the music. It's not about the key. This. When, when it's great, it, it really does enhance. It really does spice up. So I just wanted us to be very aware of that. But for you to be connected to God, and I'm aware that most of us in here know the Lord God. You're connected with God. But who knows, through the podcast or the live stream, there's somebody out there who's saying, I don't have that connection with God. I want to address that. It has to be through the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 14, verse 6, the Bible tells us, Jesus was answering a question from one of his disciples because they were thinking, okay, so how, is, how do we get to the Father? You've spoken all these things. So Jesus is answering and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, this is the same Jesus who said that without him, we can do nothing. You may have a life, you may have a family, you may have a job, you may have everything that, that people want to have, but if you don't have Jesus, he says, you can't do anything. You can't be anything. You haven't reached where God wants you to be. With him, we become children of God, according to John chapter 1, verse 12. When we are connected to God through Jesus Christ, we become children of God. With him, we experience the abundant life that God wants us to experience. We're not saying trouble-free life, but we are talking about abundant life. Jesus, as a branch, I want you to know, as a branch is to a tree, 
When a branch is, is connected to the trunk on a tree, it becomes fruitful because it's connected to the, to the trunk. And everything the branch is comes from the trunk. Okay? Same thing. If you are not connected to Jesus Christ, if the sap flowing through your veins is not Jesus Christ, is not from Jesus Christ, he says, then you can do nothing. You will not experience the love of the Father. But he wants you to experience the love of the Father. It is a life that knows the blessedness of being forgiven. It, it, is, it is such a nice thing to be forgiven. It is. When someone says, I have forgiven you, it is great. It's humbling, but it's great. I would rather be forgiven and humbled than proud and not forgiven. I would rather have the forgiveness of God or the forgiveness of somebody that I have wronged and be humbled or humiliated than to be proud and not forgiven. Read about it in Psalm 32 where David said when his sin was not forgiven, the hand of the Lord was so heavy upon him and his bones began to waste away. His, the, the emotions, it was terrible. And when he experienced the forgiveness of God, he says, hey, it is good to be forgiven. And he tells the other, he says, come, let me tell you about the God who can forgive. He says, don't be like a horse or a donkey, which has to be taken this way. And that. Just obey the instruction of the Lord. So this is the kind of life that God wants us to have. It's a life where you are empowered by the spirit of God. It's not by the might that we have, but it is the spirit of God that helps us to live the life we're supposed to live. Romans chapter 10 verse 9, the Bible tells us that if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. You will be saved from a continued life of separation from God through Jesus. And it is only through Jesus. Both in this life and in the life to come. You and I know that the further man gets away from God, the worse he becomes. We keep seeing this time and time again. I'll give you an opportunity right now to pray and get connected to God through Jesus Christ. If you have not made that connection, if you're saying, Pastor, I, I, I don't have that connection with God through Jesus Christ. I want you to pray after me and say, Oh, Heavenly Father, I believe in my heart and declare that Jesus is Lord and that you raised him from the dead. Your word says... That when I do this, I become saved. I'm justified before you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer, I would love to see you after the service. And we need to talk about how you need to live this life. And let me tell you something. Anyone who claims to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ started here. This is the starting point. But although it is ground zero... You can grow so quickly. And I want us to talk about how to do that. Amen. This is where we all started. We have got stories for that. Each and every one of us. But let's talk about the call to worship together. When you are connected to God, God expects us to worship him. 
So we see that God wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth at an individual level. We also see many times in scripture where the people of God come together as a group to worship him. And that's why we're talking about our connection in the spirit. In, in Matthew 28, verse, verse 16 onwards, Jesus has risen from the dead. Reports have gone out about him risen. There are others who have seen him. There are others who haven't. But this is that appointment that Jesus had made with his disciples. And saying, when, when, I, when I die and I rise again, I want you to meet me at such, such a place. Okay? And they have met. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. There's the appointment right there. He said, I want you to go to this place at such, such a time. Okay? And Jesus shows up. When they saw him, when they saw Jesus, the one whom they had been with, they worshipped him. What's happening? This is the same one whom they used to wake up and say, Master, Master, wake up, we are perishing. He, he was a person. You understand? He was human. But this time, the one they used to say, wake up, wake up. And I'm touching on purpose here. Wake up, wake up. The one they used to say, master, we have brought the food you told us to go and buy. The same one, the same one. This time around, they are worshipping him. What has changed? Because this time, he is more of God than human. This is somebody who would just appear and say, peace be with you. Talk with you and then disappear. You've, you, you've got to worship that person. Amen. They worshipped him. In Acts chapter 13, verse 1. But I just want you to show, to show you that it was the group. Everybody worshipped him. And some doubted. Because they're thinking, these things that are happening, is this real? I saw this one on the cross. He died and now here he is. It's, it's okay to doubt and worship, I think. God, God Jesus does, does not reprove them of that. He tells them because probably he knew the more they understand this, the more the, those doubts will go. But in Acts chapter 13 verse 1, we are told that now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, how is that for a prayer item? You just worship God, which is what we're doing this morning. Just worship God that he is holy, that he's a covenant-keeping God, that he is the righteous judge, that he's the one who has our tomorrows, and so because of that we can be at peace, that he is the one who is the prince of peace. They were just worshiping God. Well, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I've called them. So they had fasted and prayed. After they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. You don't stop worshipping because God has spoken to you. Most of us, the first word that the Lord speaks to you, you write it down and you're off. No, no, no. They had actually finished the praying and the worshipping and the fasting. Then they took action. Okay. So there's something about worship that helps us to receive the Lord's instruction. That helps us to appreciate the Lord's agenda. Corporate worship is a powerful thing. Just like corporate prayer is a powerful thing. For those of you who have been coming for prayer, remember when we're praying and fasting until March 22, right? 
for those of you who have come, you already know that there's something that God has been doing in our midst. Things are happening when you come together in worship and in prayer. In Revelation chapter 4 verse 4 is the 24 elders. Again, another group is the four living creatures that worship him. In Revelation chapter 5 verse 13, it is every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them, they are singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Amen. We should sing the song that is there from those scriptures one of these days. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and they worshipped. And this is a time coming where God is going to decree his judgments on earth. And it happens in the context of worship. Corporate worship. You get connected. Had they not been worshipping, God probably would have said, I'm, looking, I'm waiting for the time when they come together so I can issue instructions. Because as they were worshipping and fasting, it is the Holy Spirit who said, I want Paul and Barnabas team up together to the work that I'm going to call them. In worship, God speaks. Hallelujah. He does. So you never know who is going to be connected to you or who you are going to be connected to from the house of the Lord. Amen. Stay in worship. Individual worship. Corporate worship. And God continues to speak with people. When we were coming this morning, um, uh, some of you have seen the pavement to the church. But you know what was happening? Nobody asked for this. Nobody. Nobody said, I wish we could have a pavement. Nothing. But we just came out of there and a brother comes and says, Pastor, with the rains and the waters that come here, this is what I think I want to do. And at his own cost, did that. May God remember you, brother. You know yourself. May God remember you through and through for what you have done in his house. And that's what I told him. I said, this is your father's house. If your father has said, I need a pavement here, put a pavement there. God will make sure that all that, is, that concerns you is dealt with. That's connection in worship. Amen? That's connection in worship. When a log burns on its own, the fire is okay. When logs burn together, the fire is so huge, it's so full of energy. There's more benefit when you burn together in worship. When I worship alone, it's all right. God will deal with me. But when I worship with others, ah, things begin to change. There's a synergy there. It's no longer one plus one equals two. It becomes one plus one to the power X equals something else. It's exponential. Oh, I did maths. You should know I did. <laughs> but the growth, the benefit is exponential. Hallelujah. Where two gather. The Bible tells us that two are better than one. In the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9. Because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, no one can, one can help the other. But pity the one who falls and has no one to help him up. So if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one, one keep warm alone? The Bible asks. 
Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So even if it is just you and your friend, or you and your wife, or your husband, two is a crowd as far as God is concerned. Because it says, where two or three gather in my name, I'll be in their midst, and he will do things. And when we come together and we begin to worship God, God will begin to make us have connections. One brother told me, he says, Pastor, my Friday is so packed. It is so busy. I said, thank you for, le- for letting me know. And towards one of his last assignments for the day, which he had shared with me, I remembered him and I prayed for him. And I sent him a message. I said, as you go out there, may God favor you. May God give you strength. Because I'm connected with him as a brother in the Lord. Okay, I'm going somewhere with this. But you know, when you worship God, very interesting things happen. Maths like one can chase a thousand, two can chase two thousand. Explain that to me. But that's what begins to happen. There, there are benefits of things that you could otherwise just dream of. But when you come together with God's people and you begin to worship, God releases a certain power, a certain ability, and things just begin to happen like that. There's an event that is happening today, and I'm amazed at how people on that group are just saying, oh, we need to do that. Oh, that is done. We need to do that. Oh, that is done. We need to do that. You know why? We're connected. And we all understand we are serving God. So stay connected in worship. That is why Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. And this is where I'm going to, 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 to finish. That is why Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 tells us that let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Now, when it says let us hold unswervingly, it means there is something that is swerving you. Something doesn't want you to reach what you're supposed to reach. So he says, let us hold unswervingly. Whatever happens, I am here. I'm not going anywhere. They may try to take you away from it, but you're holding that thing. So he says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Because he who promised us, who is God, is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another, this team. Let's spur one another to love and to good deeds. When it's a good deed, we will spur you and say, let's do this. It is good for us. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let the scriptures be an encouragement today. Let us worship the Lord God together because when we do, God unleashes his connections, connections that we need in life. There is power in corporate worship. Whether it's two of you or three of you or 24,000 of you, God unleashes his unit. He unleashes his power. He unleashes things that need to happen in your life. You do not know what instruction he will give you concerning his kingdom. And and by the way, it's always about his kingdom, yeah? The, The area you appreciate that life is not about you. But it's about the kingdom of God, the better for you. 
But sometimes I think in Christianity we are we are moving too much towards me, 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 me. I want a blessing. I want a breakthrough. I want I'm, I mean, me, 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 me. Even you have to preach, it has to be me preaching in a certain way. Me, 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 me. Where? It's about the kingdom of God. It's about sharing the gospel. It's about living holy lives. It's about worshiping our God because we know this world and everything will pass away. But his word will never pass away. And the things his word has for us in future is great. He's still working on that building construction, by the way, where he said, I want my people to be with me there. I wonder how magnificent it's going to be. But you will need to continue being connected with God and he will connect you with the people that matter. In this year, the theme of, of, of this month, which is talking about being connected, I want you to know, God is telling us that we need to continue in worship with him. We need to continue fasting and praying. Obedience. Those of you who have been coming for prayer, you know what I'm talking about. God has told us, continue in faith, continue in prayer. And he's adding today, continue in worship. Those who have ears, let them hear. But it all begins when you get connected to God. It all continues when you stay connected to God in worship. So worship God with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Because when we do that, God connects us to the people we need to be connected to. There was a testimony of somebody who, who said some amazing things. They were talking and they said, you know what? I'm coming, and when I come, I want to work with you, and I want you to give me people I should work with. And the brother said, I'm here. And in his mind, he's thinking, hey, people in church, they, they, I know that one needs a job, that one needs a job. It's coming. But you know, if you're not connected, and you've been away for a long time, and you don't even want to bother saying what is happening to you, you'll miss it. Let's stay connected to each other. And God is already moving the right kinds of people to come your way for your breakthrough. And you disobey Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 onwards. You don't want to come and meet together with God's people. And God is busy sending blessings through the body of Christ as an example. I want us to take our communion now. The book of Luke chapter 22. Jesus said in verse 20, verse 19, rather, let me start with verse 19. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This cup is the new covenant. I want us, as we take our communion this morning, those who are, who are helping us with communion, I want, us, I want you to come um, and we're going to pray. And I want you to remember that the God, the covenant-keeping God is saying, let's continue in faith. Let's continue in prayer. Let's continue in worship. That covenant that he made with us, he's going to make sure that it comes to pass. He's going to make sure that it happens. He's going to make sure that our connection with him stays intact. 
and he's going to move the right kinds of people in our lives. Whether it is for your healing, whether it's for your career, whether it is for school, whether it is for ministry, God will make it happen. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for this communion that we're having this morning. I pray, oh God, my Father, that you and you alone, oh God, the covenant-keeping God, the covenant you established before you went to the cross. Father, I pray that that covenant will continue in our lives, will be reactivated where we had failed, oh God. I pray that through this, our connection to you and the connections you give us one to another, oh God, shall move into action. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Our prayer is that God has spoken to your heart. Be blessed in this week.